All right, welcome in. Sorry for uh, keeping you guys waiting. Bobby Manning, uh, John Zanis, um, Jimmy Toscano is in the dark. Apparently, a massive power outage. Massive. <laughs> On just the normal day, huh? Yeah. Um, in Charleston. I guess it snowed the other day. Yeah, just lost it. Um, Joe Sway, always dealing with the Wi-Fi issues. So Bobby and I will carry uh, the show here for a little bit as the Celtics, who, again, I, I know I've been away bobby but i've been led to believe that they're good um now and um this was a rough game obviously um losing to the pacers i know perkins kendrick perkins is one of the nbc broadcasts called it the worst loss in celtics history i think that's a little harsh but this one you know this had vibes of like early january yeah i was thinking january this had those bad vibes where it's kind of like Things don't go well early. They get down. They, you know, shot selection is off. They don't focus on defense. They get frustrated. Like it, first bad sign for me was when Tatum picked up two quick fouls and just slumped, just slumped his way to the bench, walked past everyone, right to the bike, just sat on it, didn't pedal once. The trainers were like around him. I couldn't tell if somebody was hurt or something, but you know, he just kind of mentally just wasn't in the game uh pacers hit an insane amount of threes as well they'll never do that again so obviously like that wasn't going in the celtics favor too uh but beyond the threes it just wasn't it just wasn't what we'd been seeing from this team in two facets one the defense which was slow to rotate over a lot of times they gave up a lot of easy buckets down low were missing assignments uh, how many like lobs were there geez i mean they yeah they were all over hit the them hard in the pick and roll for sure and he really? was he was the best player out there today. Halliburton was the best player on the floor. And then the ridiculous amount of threes. Obviously, you're without Al tonight, and that kind of hurts. Um, that, that, that you know, ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, you know, defensive rating that that first unit has. But, I mean, Al doesn't make up for, you know, the 21-point whooping they took tonight. And that's what it was. I mean, it, it was it was everything. It was the defense wasn't what, it, what it's been. And that offense that had been moving the ball so crisply, they just got stuck in hold-the-ball mode tonight it just it, and it just like i said just flashbacks of like the the flashback of like evil celtics which you hadn't seen in a while yeah and jimmy predicted you'd be back after the loss so welcome yeah. <laughs> once the losing started again i i like the offense in this one defense obviously got lit up in a big way and it goes back to my worry that you pull one cog out of that connected lethal starting unit and I'm not going to say it's all going to crumble apart, but they're not going to have that significant defensive advantage that they have when all five of those guys are in there. And Grant, I thought, had a really rough game on the defensive end especially. The guys were able to go at him more. The combinations with Tice weren't great. Uh, I thought Tice was pretty rough in his spot minutes there. And Rob, huge third quarter there. Uh, overall very disruptive in that sequence but he got caught up in some of those pick and roll sequences too that were just so well run by Halliburton there so the shooting was off the charts uh the Celtics offense I thought they were hitting tough shots too like weird runners off balance Halliburton's yeah. hitting these scoops you know like it was a mess it was a mess my, my um, biggest you know, like, though is yeah. that you come out in the fourth quarter and start launching threes on a night where you're 26, 27% from deep. That always concerns me. That's stuff we saw against Portland and that meltdown in January. Uh, quite a few losses in January where they started falling in love with the three during that month. Hasn't been a problem lately. Downhill action's been good. Uh, passing's been excellent. I think they're six in assist rate this month. So 
on a little uncharacteristic iso ball tatum step back three started early in the fourth three of three or four of jalen's first few shots and jalen actually you know hit some of his shots but they were forced they were forced shots they were iso um heavily contested you know uh two you know five six seven dribbles holding the ball just kind of out of that rhythm they'd they'd been passing so so effectively almost to the point of like almost overpassing but it was working they were passing up good shots to get great shots they did it in spurts tonight but as soon as things got bad they kind of you know they 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 went back to that little iso thing it just didn't it, you know it, it it was off the whole night was off i mean it's a second of a back-to-back and the pacers freaking hit everything so it was just kind of a confluence of a series of events um that that you know that trickled down but you know Tatum had a miserable game. This is as bad a game as he's had in a little while. Yeah, that sequence late in the second. It was like a one-point game midway through the second. Then Brissett started piling on the threes there. I think he had three late in the second. Uh, You had uh, the logo shot from Halliburton at that spot. And then to open the third, they scored like three straight buckets. And that's essentially what pushed it to 20. And they were climbing uphill from that point on. I'll just look at individual stuff here with Tatum, uh, you know, you know, jacking 12 threes, not great. Um, you know, but I, when he was trying to get downhill, how many times did he get blocked at the rim? Quite a few times. Yeah. And I think that was Isaiah in his Jackson. head. And again, that was a byproduct of uh, holding the ball um, and not attacking quickly and allowing the defense to set. A lot of time that he did get downhill, they knew he was coming because, again, it was that over-reliance on the ISO and just slowing things down in the half court instead of making those crisp passes uh, and moving the ball around to get a, to get better shots and, you know, to, to free yourself up. It wasn't happening at all here um, tonight. So, uh, you know, that was that was a rough one all, all game long. He just he didn't look like he was here to play at, at any point in the night. No, and I hate when this team settles because they've gotten so good at getting downhill and scoring inside and being active in there. Even the catch-and-shoot situations I'm fine with, but when you end up with those second-chance possessions, you know, third chance at times in the fourth, second half, where you're launching three threes on a single possession, I think everybody put their hands on their head when Pritchard, Brown, and Tatum missed threes on that one possession in the fourth, but it's like... Let's get some downhill action, second-level drives, the stuff they have been doing to counteract this team being a pretty weak three-point shooting team all year, really. Even they're in this winning streak. They're like 34-ish percent. So you can't fall in love. I mean, they started the fourth shooting 11 of their first 15 shots from three. You can't do that when you're this team. Everyone says, oh, they're open, and oh, it's good looks and rim outs. We know what this team is from three. Even if they're excellent looks, there still has to be sort of a downhill mentality just based off the fact that no one on this team all year, and you know, Smart actually has been since January 1st. I saw today 40% from three, but for the most part, no one on this team has been a great shooter this year. Tatum and Brown among them, and they were rough again tonight. In this and again, one. you're without your, I mean, and again, we said Tatum got blocked a couple times around the room. Pacers are without Miles Turner tonight. That's just got to be like a massive green light. You remember those back-to-back games was it Portland when they only had Nurkic in there and then and then and then Charlotte you know with you know with no rim presence at all and those were games where they kind of heavily settled on three you you see in the blueprint I mean look we'll toss one game it's one game they they've got a blueprint of success having won 10 of 12 they know what it takes this wasn't this wasn't the blueprint it's frustrating to watch them revert to it but it was a classic back-to-back sort of game you know you you settle for shots you settle for you settle for jumpers. You hope they go in. When they don't, you get frustrated. You try to shoot your way out of the problem. You know, you you you. 
and, and that's just what happened tonight. So what was, the, you what turn was around the Pacers, the... the Pacers hit freaking everything. So, you know, I, I you can easily toss this game, honestly, um, and, and not like read too much into it. It's just frustrating to see it. Um, but again, you know, there's a lot of factors in here. You're playing down the back to back. Uh, and and the Pacers hit a hit hit a hit a you know crap ton of shots that they normally don't hit. This is crazy too. I'm looking at the shot charts from the fourth. The Celtics shot two of four around the restricted area. The Pacers shot one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of nine in the restricted area in that. Fourth so that's quarter. the thing is like everyone was talking about. You know, you're seeing a lot of reaction on Twitter like, oh, this is an inordinate amount of threes. Celtics gave up a lot of easy buckets too. So transition, I mean, yeah, a lot of easy buckets too. Um, yeah. It just wasn't an uncharacteristic game, uh, you know, so whatever. Like I said, we can toss it, right? I mean, yeah. yeah so I, the weird thing to me, you don't want to see, one... you don't want to see them stack them. The, 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 the slightly worrisome thing here is you're looking at three out of the last four games where you're not getting an A effort um, against subpar teams, you know? So you've got two against Detroit where you play them at a standstill yesterday and you pull out the game in the fourth quarter. Great. You're supposed to have those games, but you lost the one going into the break and clearly a game that they just weren't into. Uh, and then this game would just look like they were just kind of going through the motions. So you don't want to see them reading their clippings, you know, so to speak, and like getting, you know, ahead of themselves with it. The blueprint is pretty freaking clear what it takes to win. And it's constant effort and energy. It's just not a team that can coast. It's not, you know? No, um, I, I don't it, know. It this they a have to play. They got to kill. They, they got to, they have to be playing at a 10 all the time. And when they do, they're a really difficult team to play against. But was they, this a low energy game though? Um, this was a discombobulated game. Yeah. I think. I think it it showed some of the old. I think habits. it was from like I think from Tatum it was pretty low energy game. Um, I think again you know um, they were pushing back to so I love the third quarter if, yeah. if we're just gonna stick on the game a little longer here the third they were super active and my my only problem with Rob who I thought did a million different things there to get them back within seven after trailing by nineteen was just the tipping the ball around the basket playing volleyball in there because he had his hands on two firm yeah. putbacks there that would have made it i'd say five uh but overall he was great in that frame and i i think another super active game from him where his hands are just in everything and there was one great possession where he was out on halliburton covering him on the perimeter halliburton didn't really want to shoot over him and they end up going for two second level drives and then rob just repositioned himself in the lane so well and got that great block on brogdon another weird moment in this one was brown uh shoving goga which I actually thought he was going to get ejected after. That's usually an ejection, right? Getting up, shoving a guy. I know Goga didn't go flying. If he flew back and did like an Embiid, he probably would have gotten ejected. But they just come away with a technical there. But that, that to me, could go either way. If he got ejected there, that would have been a horrible moment. If he didn't, of course he didn't there, you're probably going to have Nick and Max saying, oh, look at Brown, he finally got in a scuffle. And it's true. I think that was the first scuffle I've ever seen Brown in, at least in recent years. I like to see it, but why did he push Rob? Who's that? that. When Rob was trying to hold him off, right right before the camera cut away, he tossed Rob too. Oh, I I didn't see that part of it. Don't throw (laughs) Rob. I mean, he was just frustrated. I think he just wanted to get his two cents in with the refs. But and um, Scal's on the broadcast thinking that Goga was going to be the one who really got penalized there because yeah, he had the hard like, foul. It was I'm like playing. Like, what are we eight years old? There's no do-overs here. They didn't call the foul there. I mean, yeah, you know, 
uh, that wasn't going to happen. I, I don't care. I don't mind seeing that. I like seeing them get a little bit spicy. You know, I know you had Smart and Stewart get chippy the other day. You don't want to be a team that, like, can be pushed around. So uh, I don't mind them kind of hanging in there and standing their ground. So this is uh, what we talked about after Detroit is obviously those two rough games against the Pistons. The formula for Detroit was get really physical, uh, foul a ton, body guys in the lane, do all those things Stewart did. And that wasn't as much the game here, even though there was – I think some big blocks around the basket by Jackson and Brissett and Brogdon and others. Uh, but it's still a little bit of what you talked about earlier in the show there. If you can really make it hard for the Celtics on the interior, they're such a bad shooting team that that's kind of the way to start derailing their offense. And if they get really off kilter offensively, you start to see some defensive slippage too. And that was the formula for some bad collapses earlier in the year. So that is what's starting to reel its, rear its head a little bit here, which if we're looking ahead at the tough games later this week, that's some things that could persist a little bit if other teams like Memphis are able to cut off the interior for the Celtics there and there's some frustrating calls. I guess the one thing I did like in that Detroit game is they got up from those frustrating calls and had a really good fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, searching here for some email uh, topics. Um, you know, nothing really here other than, you know, not the best effort. Um, but trying to see if there's anything justifying the Al thing. He it was basically a maintenance game. Al was a break glass in case of emergency situation tonight, but he was never um never I uh, thought it was weird they didn't use him at all, especially if they announced it was gonna be like a minimum minutes game. They just ended up putting him on ice, which is fine, I guess, if they feel like that's what he needed. I actually was in the Discord I don't mind yesterday these, saying, yeah. hey, what is Al going to fall apart? And they actually did kind of look like it, like they needed after the 37 there. So you get one loss, you scrap out a win against Detroit that you were looking pretty rough in early on due to the 37 minutes he had there. So I guess it's a fair trade-off. It just you, you do hate to lose this Pacers game when you have so many tough ones coming up. Atlanta, Memphis. It's Brooklyn. fine. Again, it's not it's not an overreaction game. Um, it's a, uh, it is a, I think you toss this game back to back, tired, sloppy, not their best night. Pacers shot the hell out of the ball. Scrap and Pacers, it and how much better are they after those? You trades? just don't want to see again. You just don't want to stack too many games where, you know, you make the excuse for the Detroit one. Ah, it's heading into the break. They'd one nine straight. They kind of got a little ahead of themselves. Then they come out of the break and they absolutely thump, uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And you're like, okay, good. Fine, no problem. And then you know you struggle again against Detroit a little bit, and then here. So again, I just you know you know everything's been so overwhelmingly positive. You just want to see not falling into kind of any old habits. So next week's going to be interesting. We're looking at Memphis, we're looking at Atlanta, Atlanta, and we're looking at what's the weekend game? The Nets, fully loaded, probably a fully loaded Nets. Yep, I wouldn't count on Simmons for that game, but Durant, Kyrie will definitely. Uh, ooh. Yeah, no, it's a Boston one, so Kyrie will be playing. And he looked amazing last night, huh? Yeah. 38, yep. they down the Bucks, And uh, weird ruling out of New York. I When I was out there, it sounded like Adams was saying that they were going to get rid of the rule that made Irving unavailable, but now it's actually just going to let him sit on the bench in those games because it's not going to affect private contractors or whatever the wording was. That was... That was a weird development off what looked like some good news for the Nets there. So I still don't really know how to feel about the Nets, especially with KD coming back off an injury here, being after a long, long layoff there. Because yeah. they've looked awful without those guys. Yeah. I'm uh so I'm not gonna I'm not 
I'm not going here because I have any particular agenda. I have noticed that um, uh, the Derek White chatter definitely has picked up a tad. Um, so I want your take on just, you know, came out, had a great, you know, great debut. Uh, the shooting's been bad, uh, continues to be bad. Um, minutes have been down uh, a little bit as well. 20, Pritchard 20, the breaking last into it a little bit. And then Pritchard's kind of sneaking in there. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot of people who are mad right now. Um, or not mad. A lot of people who are having some buyer's remorse right now. Not because you're looking at Richardson, you know, who's played twice over in San Antonio and Romeo who's yet to play. There's not even <laughs> uh, there's not even a stock photo of Romeo with this with a Spurs uniform on you can find. There's people doing Romeo Langford is out with an injury stories with him like in an Indiana in the Celtics. uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and nobody's lamenting the loss of those guys, I think, but a lot of people are kind of like, wait, what did we get in this guy? So again, uh, you know, Bob, Bobby, you, you tend to be the guy who kind of, you know, will calm everybody down on this stuff. Your overall thoughts on his play, how he's been used, what he's been doing lately. He definitely, definitely had a bad game last game. And I thought he had a good start to this one. Uh, the shooting though, is just, it's there and I don't see it fixing itself. So I think people are just going to have to live with it. This really feels like we're going to be having Marcus Smart kind of conversations with this guy for the rest of his contract because that's the type of player he is. He's going to be one of those players that the box score is not going to necessarily look great and there's going to be impact there that you can't necessarily quantify, um, but it comes in his style and what he gives the game. But are you seeing that, you know, last few games? No, I'm not. And I brought it up after the last game and yeah. comment is going to freak out here because I've been pretty tough on him. Coming in tonight, 35% from three or from the field over his last five, 20% from three on five attempts a game. So you're basically talking about a catch and shoot guy who just can't hit him at all right now. And he does get to the line a little bit, hits those, the secondary ball movement that he brings. He's got that floater game going, you know? Yeah. It's just you, if you're playing a guy at that level, you don't want him to be a zero from the field, which is essentially what he's been over the last six games here after that great debut that we all love. Uh, but what you essentially trade off in Richardson, who is looking like the better offensive player right now between the two, at least scoring wise, uh, you picked up in ball movement, which of course in February, as I said, six assist percentage and defense, which guys, I know even, it's the first even round better. Picks. You, you can't lament the loss of first-round picks yet. People are like, it's not the players, it's the picks. We know the deal was about the picks, not the players. I'm saying at this moment, you're not lamenting the loss of people that were currently on your roster that deeply. But, yes, you are missing the shooting, and that is that hasn't been an issue. When you're holding teams to 83 points, nobody gives a crap if Derek White goes one of five from three. But when the offense goes cold, again, it, the formula on this team, Bobby, works only when Tatum and Brown are both on point uh, and carrying the offense – ball is moving you know those high assist games which obviously those guys need to be knocking down their shots in order to in order to you know uh, to get to that number and then white just kind of fills in wherever you need him he's not supposed to be carrying the offense he's not supposed to be scoring 20 plus points on any given night that's just not what he's there for but you got to put the clamps on other teams and then your best offensive players have to play well any and it's night working, they don't right and so, it works. It's been working. So they're four and two with them. They yeah. are second in defense, third in offense. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball, okay? BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's hard to argue with that, and that includes this game here. So they essentially bet on, all right, we're not going to be a good shooting team at all, and that's essentially what down them here, and there will be games where they can't hit any threes that yep. are going to end up being losses for them. But if but- they're even better than they were defensively, which they have been so far, and the passing leads to better offense, the transition, the pace, all that different kind of stuff, you end up being a better team than but- this mismatched group with Ennis and Schroeder and Richardson. There's no doubt. But the the again, it's it's the 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 white was it's just is white doing what you expected him to do? White was supposed to go and be the guy who makes. I mean, how many times did Brad say this in his press conference? Accentuate the Jays, make the Jays better, make the Jays better, make the Jays better. Are you seeing that? A little bit, not as much as we thought. It, it's it's the ball movement overall, and he hasn't the been ball great. Ball movement is great, but it's a team thing. I'm not. Yes, seeing, I, it's and, a team thing, and they're all fitting the be- together right. better. It's just he's not flashing off individually, which is concerning because you do want a guy like that that you paid that price for to be standing out. It's just he seems to be more of a subtle impact guy. I mean, in this game, three blocks, a charge, take, a steal. Those don't flash off the page, but it's extra possessions that you get for yourself. And then let's say the hockey assist that he racks up. He's going to be another subtle impact guy for sure. I like him. I like him. Like I said, is it's a matter of impact. I think people are expecting not necessarily um, not necessarily him to come and do stuff he's not supposed to do, but you were looking for a, a little bit higher level of playmaking, um, him to be a bit more of a floor general when he's out there with the ball. Um, and the defense has certainly been there and that's fine. But like I said, is it just feels like Marcus light, you know, uh, yeah. right now, um, which again is fine. But I mean, you're talking about Marcus smart, who's a guy people were ready to ship out of town in order to get something that kind of bolsters the offense here. And it, this was the fear is like, Oh, it's a redundancy, but the first few games, everything fit. And it was okay. This was a great complimentary piece. So again, I'm, it's going to take a lot, a lot longer than a six-game snapshot to really get a sense of um, the fit here. I like the player overall. Um, I just don't know if we should be expecting more than what we're seeing. It's It's been mildly disappointing, I'll say. He stepped into the starting lineup on the night Smart was out, and they lost to Detroit. So that's as big of a sign as any that he's not necessarily a guy that can step right into that spot and perform when you can't beat the worst team in the NBA on your spot start night there. I know Rob was out as well, so they were down a number of guys in that game. But overall, you're looking at a guy who can't finish the catch-and-shoot threes opportunity right now. You, we thought it would go up. Yeah, with more space playing exactly because you wouldn't be forcing it you're not on a team where you know there's not you you don't really have exactly that was the point everyone thought the shooting would go up because with tatum and brown the focus will be so much on those guys his looks are going to be so clear and easy and free on a catch and shoot that the percentage naturally is going to go up and it was 31 which is down from his career numbers so just seeing it again it's a small sample size so I mean, he goes out and he has a six for eight game the other one in, in one game and the percentage is going to be back into the mid 30s. So, um, again, it's a small snapshot, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And 
over these last seven games, because I'm cutting out the first one, it was the good one, just like accentuating how bad he's been the last six here. But if we're just looking at the overall impact of the team through these first seven with him here, it, you, you are seeing bumps, little bumps from Tatum and Brown, even Smart, who continues to play well from a scoring perspective. And I think is still taking that point guard role as his own over five assists a game over that stretch. So overall, I feel good about the ball movement, which has just gone through the roof. Remember, it was in the tank for that second quarter of the season where they were way down low in terms of assist percentage. Yeah, brutal. This, is the, this is the first time since 2020 where they're really in that upper, upper echelon of ball movement, which is... Again, it's it's the what you're weighing here. You, you want this guy to be a smash hit because you gave up a lot for him. But if the effect of just him being there versus the guys that you had before is an overall better team result, that's good too. And you know, you're you're weighing. Do you walk away because of this extra pick that they're asking for? Do you actually go and get this guy that you really want? I still lean towards saying yes. If you targeted this guy and say he's going to be this perfect fit here, which I think he's looked close to so far, you'll kind of give him this grace period here where he really hasn't looked that good individually. But you can't argue with what the teams look like. They still look solid, even in a loss. They're starting to do a lot of the same thing. They do, but they were consistent. winning heading into. I mean, they they were winning before the deadline. I mean, you can't discount that. Yeah, but Schroeder was inevitably gone, so you need someone to fill that gap. He was, Richardson, but again, yeah. I, I I still some Celtics fans really fell in love with Richardson. I'm interested to see how people are feeling about him in the comments compared to White individually, because that was the real trade off, right? You would have been looking at Richardson as the backup point. My guard, opinion was always that, that I didn't think Richards I didn't think White over Richardson made you measurably better. And then you gave up the firsts. I didn't think he was like to Today on the court, I didn't know. Richardson also fit with what they were doing defensively. He's not the elite defender that White is, but he was a better shooter and probably a better offensive player. He doesn't move the ball as well as White. Mm-hmm. There was a trade. I'm just saying if like if you were to rate the Celtics on a scale of 1 to 100 and they were playing at like a 90 prior to the trade, I don't know that Knight out of I don't know that White puts you more than 90.5, you know, like versus Richardson. Like I don't know how huge a gap it was going to be if they played the rest of the season out with, the, with, with what they had. Um, so then it just comes down to, did you get the thing you needed most? You know, like what did the team need and what's, you know, and that's what all people are going to always argue here on nights when they shoot cold, everyone's going to be like, geez, we need a shooter. We got half the people in the comments saying like, I want buddy healed. You didn't, nobody, you didn't really want buddy healed. Trust me. Trust <laughs> Just me. Way did. Some people do, but I mean, you know, when you, you have Buddy healed out there and then he can't guard a freaking person. And then, you know, whatever, he has one of his cold nights. You're like, oh my God, why did we grab this guy? But again, I thought Richardson was playing fine. I wasn't in love with him by any means. I just, to justify the trade and the price, you need White to immediately make a, a large impact and then sustain it throughout. And he has at times, I just, you know, I want to see more. That's all. Yeah, that, that debut was really exciting if that's the peak value they can bring there because he was amazing in that game yeah especially coming right out and doing the things he did on both ends there Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how his role evolves because he still doesn't really seem to know what he's doing and what his job is night in night out i'm sure he still trying to figure that out too he's just kind of a guy who who is just a ball makes a makes a quick decision and that's it yeah, let's uh, let's talk about uh, one of our sponsors here, Coda, Coda.io, new kind of productivity doc uh, that brings data 
uh, and teams together comes with a set of building blocks anyone can combine to create a doc as powerful as an app. For years, our teams have been split across documents, spreadsheets, and apps, and Coda brings it all together, okay? Everything is synced, everything. We needed this. You need it. You got to bring it together, okay? Make an update in a table that automatically shows up everywhere. No more relying copy and paste to keep linchpin projects current. Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate the way we all want to quickly and efficiently. So basically, it's everything that you do at your company that makes it difficult where you have to go a million different places to find, oh, where did I write that thing down and what was that thing we needed to do coda brings it together it's endlessly customizable and connected there's connected there's templates for anything you need so again uh coda you can solve for just about anything go to coda coda.io to get started for free that's coda.io slash garden coda.io slash garden go check it out get started for free see what all the fuss is about also want to let everybody know we're doing the discord thing um hanging out on discord chatting uh we're gonna have some planned chats coming up later this week i know um these guys jumped on uh and did a little live chat the other day uh josue and jimmy uh, but it's open people are on there right now chatting it up so come join our discord server clnsmedia.com slash discord clnsmedia.com slash discord there's some terrific celtics chat going on there basically 24 hours a day uh back to the game bobby um grant okay um this was so funny at first when the news came through uh Ime was uh we weren't sure what he was doing with al right it wasn't entirely clear no. the, the the pregame was al wasn't starting he was going to rest so to speak um and so they were managing minutes but as it turns out really the plan was he was break break glass in case of emergency um and uh was on like kind of like load management uh sort sort of so to speak and really i don't think the intention was to play him at all i think he was there in case somebody got hurt or something yeah. um so he wasn't planning on playing so it's so funny that like we've spent the last year and a half just bashing double big then this double big lineup with horford out there goes on this ridiculous stretch with this lockdown defense the best unit in basketball the starting five numbers are just off the charts what what happened today people were tweeting literally the historic nature of the Celtics numbers right now and the stretch that they're on, particularly with the starting five. Yeah. It's, it's, it's legit off the charts. But before that we were all clamoring for split the bigs and start grant because you need more shooting. So tonight, strangely, you kind of get your wish and seeing grant out there with the starting lineup. I was hoping Horford actually would play with the bench so we could see what that balance would look like. Um, but uh, Al didn't play at all, and Grant was friggin' brutal. Yeah, and it's interesting how Horford has kind of become critical to all of this. Critical now, to the D because it it unlocks Rob's. It makes it, it it makes Rob the best version of himself. You know, yeah. The whole key to that defense has been Al kind of mucking it up with the big and letting Rob roam free off of the non-shooting wing uh you know or whatever and just being able to be everywhere and wreak havoc and you know just cover the floor and his wingspan and help side block shots uh and you can't do that and rob got stuck in a traditional big sort of role today and I, 
he was floating a little bit. He got beat at times. They got beat a bunch uh, where he overextended on the shooter and there was nobody to defend the paint. There was a bunch of alley-oops there. They got worked on the pick and roll a few times. Like Rob did not have his best game defensively because I think he'd been so used to just being this kind of free safety um, of late. Uh, and he didn't really everything's have Everything's on a string here. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel good about this team at all if they lose any individual player. Yeah. They got that miraculous win in Philadelphia without Rob. I'm still pretty stunned at how it came together that day. But that's another example of how Al's the rock on defense. Yes. And he's he's this great outlet passer, too, who can really get the offense going off those stops and transition. His rebounding's been outstanding this year. We kind of looked at Horford as, all right, there's some upside here. Better than Kemba. Maybe you figure out how to move off that contract in a year, or use this some salary matching and stuff. All of a sudden, he looks like this maybe overpaid $27 million guy who is still a perfect fit here and has become central to the game plan to the point where you ask, do they bring him back at that figure next year just because of how important he's looking here in this whole thing, even with a shaky offensive game, scoring game in particular this year. But he's so in tune with everything. He's a connector. Obviously, he's a big-time communicator. There was a point in this game where I certainly looked at, could you throw him in in the second half and try to get a big boost here and maybe plays like 15, 20 minutes on the way to a win. They're going to need quite a bit of him down the stretch, though. So you understand why they're saving him here. They don't want him to fall Dude, apart. Or it's a night be against... A night against a, a game, a back-to-back against the Pacers that are that's down multiple players. This felt like one you could get away with, you know, taking out. The, I understand it. Seemingly your least important member of your starting five. And now that you have Tice there too, you feel okay in that backup big role. Yeah. Tice didn't have a great game too. Holy wow. They did double big with Tyson Rob, and it was horrible. That's where O'Shea started hitting all those threes because they had Rob on the weak side there. Tyce was, he Tyce couldn't get was out all over the place too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not much interchangeability on this team for sure. Neesmith still hasn't carved out a role at all. Pritchard's digging his way there, which is good. He may talk pregame about how they want to have him in position to be a regular contributor here, and he's certainly getting more and more opportunities to do so. The shooting looks good for him. The other stuff, they'll have to figure it out. So it's a thin team. It's a paper-thin team, I would say, almost. And people do get mad at me. I, I say... One guy goes down in this whole equation and you're in big trouble just because everything, the rotation, the mix defensively among the starters, obviously, and then that second unit, you know, Grant looks best when he's next to Horford and with that backline help and Rob certainly there too. When he's sort of the point of attack guy and he got thrown into a pick and roll at one point with Rob where Halliburton got Jackson going downhill in the third quarter there and they were screwed. You know, Jackson was wide open for that dunk there. So Everything just felt off about the defense, and all it took was taking that one piece out in Horford, and it all crumbled. Which is crazy, right? Because that just shouldn't be the case. Um, but it is. And again, it's the same way. You wouldn't think, you know, switching out Marcus for uh, White on that one game would be so, uh, you know, would be so impactful. But again, you're looking at that was the loss, right? Yeah, to Detroit. To Detroit. So you're looking at two losses have come to lottery teams. Uh, who again shot well, but to two lottery teams, and that's as many points as you've given up to anybody those two games in a long time. Uh, and it was both with missing a, a member of your starting lineup with Marcus on one night and uh, and and Al on another. So again, it is it is razor thin. And I know some people are blaming me for the loss, guys. I'll gladly sit out a couple. It was a nice little rest I took. Um, you know, but we, we we do like it better when they win. Trust me. Um, more interest, more people in here. Um, 
and uh, <laughs> nobody wants to sit here and dwell over a toss it loss to the Pacers. But again, it's thin. They need everybody. They have to play a hundred percent. If they do that puncher's chance against anybody. Um, if they don't, it's hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And this, it's going to fall back on Ime depending on which way that swings. He's going to be a genius if he tightened it up and built this mix here and this defense that, was built around these guys all being available. And he, Lord knows, talks about it over and over again. We weren't healthy. Now we are. You ask him what the key was over and over again. That's what he repeats. I hate that answer. I always have. It's one of my least favorite things ever that they're just going to throw their hands up if a guy gets hurt at the end of this year and say, we weren't healthy. And then if they were, they'll say, oh, we were healthy. That was the key. Everybody goes through losses. You look at how Brooklyn's maintained themselves this year through the worst season imaginable in terms of availability. They throw everyone throws the excuse around, but I just don't love the fact that you have a team right now that is going to be outstanding if they're all together and is going to have this big excuse if even one player goes down. There's got to be some contingency plans here, right? Like White's going to be able to step in for smart and that have that thing keep rolling. Uh, Tice and Grant have to be able to sustain if one of those bigs go down and. Obviously, you're screwed if Brown and Tatum go through something, so there's no real contingency plan you can have there. Uh, but the super thin team where Pritchard doesn't have a role at all, you've harped on Neesmith all year, John, and now more than ever seems to be a time to at least try to mix him in and figure out something for him to get involved That's over. the thing is, you should Because none of the... these guys are ready. You if should if do they it have on the to nights... step up, none of them are ready. You have to do it on the nights where you're fully loaded, not on the light nights that you're light. Because when you're putting them in positions where they have actual responsibilities um, and, 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 and that trickle down, you know, off of missing somebody key and people playing out of, out of rotation and with different units in different places, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to stick Neesmith in there with white and, and Tice and be like, go get him. Like, it's just not going to happen. You know, like he's got a, he's, the only this is go this goes back to last year. The only way you were going to get these guys to be useful is to use them. Um, thankfully, that's not the case with Pritchard, um, who is basically, you know, found a little bit of his range here. You know, and, and which you have to still feel good about these. Like, let's just focus on Neesmith because obviously they're trying to integrate Pritchard. If if Eme thinks Pritchard uh, or Neesmith stinks and has no use and there's no way to even try to integrate him in anything, why didn't you get rid of him at the deadline? Like, what's the point of keeping him around? Well, you got, you got a couple. Bench? You have another. You can reset and do it all over again with someone like him. With Romeo, you were running out of time. Yeah. You know, you were going to make a decision on him anyway. So it just looked like they, they had an extra year read on him. With Neesmith is, you know, it's – give me one more, you know, give me one more look. Give me one if, more if shot. There's, if there's no role for him though, these it's not going to work. We've Again, if this. he was coming in and he was hitting and he was doing everything wrong, you know, but he played with energy and was knocking down even like a respectable, you know, percentage of threes. If he was shooting 36, 37% from three, um, there'd be a role for him. But when he's coming in, he can't do the thing he's supposed to do best and everything else is, uh, you know, is the efforts there, but it's questionable and a little bit sloppy. And, you know, you don't know if you fully trust his defense and the rotations and just playing the way that they've been playing. Now, Neesmith doesn't really just slide right in. Um, then you can't, you know, you, 
you you get you'll sacrifice something to gain something. You're not gaining. And that's anything. what they've done. You're yeah, not gaining they... anything with Neesmith. You'll you know you, he's got if without knocking down the shots he doesn't. There's not a minute out. There's, they've there's not they've... a minute he should play. But also he's never going to knock down shots unless he's out there and has the freedom to shoot. And, and get some repetition and shoot his way out of it. He's not going to figure it out sitting on the bench. Well, let, let's make no mistake. What they've built. But this season's every, over. This season's over with him. So Yeah. What they've built in the guys that they are playing to is unbelievable. Even you consider the schedule at this point and what they've done over the last 23, 24 games, which is well over a quarter season. They, they're Phoenix like team. And you, you've gotten some tough games like Philly and uh, Phoenix before the new year was impressive and you had Milwaukee on Christmas you were right there with them so you've really gone this extended extended stretch now where you can at least compete with anyone you've had a few disappointments a few stinkers but overall you're killing the teams that you should be you've built this unmatched net rating just by building these leads out to 30 40 50 60 in the Sacramento case so what you've done here is super impressive uh, we're nitpicking because I think as I said after last game, the expectations got to go up now. I think Max said on, um, I forget where Max said it, but he's, he thinks the upside's Eastern Conference Finals here. I said in Brooklyn, this team can win a championship. There's no reason they can't. And the group and what they've done when they're fully healthy have proven, I think, at this point, and there's still some tests to come, that they're that good. They're unsolvable so, defensively, and they can turn in other things offensively. I can't so get there. it's fair to have expectations at this point. I, I can't get there only because I think it's one of those things where everything has to be perfect. The, there's no runaway teams in the Eastern Conference right now, but that's because so many of them have been playing kind of um, just incomplete for so long. You know, Chicago, who's still near atop the conference, had played a ton of games without Levine and without Caruso and some other key players. Obviously, Philly hasn't been whole all year. The Nets haven't been whole all year. Uh, Milwaukee's been in and out with some with some players as well. I still think that upper echelon, those top three or four, before I would have thought Celtics are a one and done no matter what, especially if they fall into the six, seven, eight. Now I put them in a puncher's chance, but if they don't get to five, Bobby, you know, I, I just don't, which team, which first round opponent could you draw here if you're the Celtics and feel good you can get out of the first round? Forget about conference five. It's going to be a bloodbath. Every opponent is going to be hard. But if you fall in to the five through eight range, who are you feel, you think against in a, in a, against a fully loaded Milwaukee or Brooklyn or, or, or Philadelphia team that they can get out of round one? I think it's going to be really, I'm not saying they can't before I would have said zero chance. You win one game and you're lucky. Two games would have been a massive moral victory. I think there's a puncher's chance, but I can't feel good about it. I don't know how you can feel good about conference finals. Then the next round is going to be equally tough. It's it's those teams fully loaded are really tough outs. The Celtics have to be perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And, and there are certain matchups you like more than that. Others. And all these teams I, are going to get better heading down the stretch here. So I know record wise, you're looking around and saying we're close. Look, I think four, three or four is best case scenario for seating. More likely you're somewhere between five and eight. Um, and that means you're going to play one of those, one of those bruisers in the first round. And that's going to be rough. Yeah. I think the hierarchy of what you want to see here is obviously Cleveland at the top. Cause they're unproven. I'm not going to, but Cleveland's I I, falling. Cleveland's fine. I mean, I don't think Cleveland's going to last. I'm looking at you could be in a four who's the weakest. Who's the weakest one? Miami is the four. Would yeah, your, you've you've dominated. Would Miami. be your best best case scenario in a four or five matchup versus Miami. You'd feel better than playing against a fully loaded, healthy 
um, you know, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, or Philadelphia, which I think is going to be extremely tough. And that's not even counting Chicago. But again, you've hung with them too. I'll give you a puncher's chance against Chicago and Miami. I think it's going to be tough. You draw first round without those other guys. So again, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's not going to be shocking to see a seven beat a two here or an eight beat a one in the Eastern Conference. It's not. It's going to be pretty balanced. It's, you you know. You're hanging your hat on defense, so you want to think about how your defense matches up with certain teams. And the two guys that you really actually don't want to see here, I think, are Kevin Durant, of course, who they'll see on Sunday, who I think can rip up. Who nobody can defend, so it doesn't matter how you're playing defense, right? And DeMar DeRozan, who at times this year has ripped up the Celtics for some massive games when he's run into them. So these are two guys that can get their shots off in isolation and score at will, uh, even against a variety of tough Celtics defenders here, but there's some advantageous things that you can do against uh, Milwaukee right now, who I think is reeling a little bit, doesn't have the wing shooters that they had last year. Are still trying to figure out this weird center thing with Serge Ibaka and Giannis and Brooke having that back surgery. Who knows if he gets back there? So you could hang in that series for sure. I think there'd even be games where you have advantages against them. Philly's interesting because they've just looked electric, right? But I, I imagine this matchup where you have smart on yep. Harden and Horford on Embiid and Rob's doing that, like playing off thigh bowl thing. And you might have some real edge against them defensively too. We Maybe saw it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe. I just think ultimately it's just that, you know, th- this is the problem with this Celtics team and this is where it's going to happen. Uh, it's um, hold on one second here. Um, well, this is what we've been divided over from day one on this show. John, is this, question of whether you can go all in on defense it's not that right in the playoffs i believe where not able to shoot um is going to kill you uh because every everybody's ratcheting up the defense in the in the playoffs you know and so you're going to be getting everyone's best effort um and again as good as the celtics have been relatively fortunate both with opponent and who's been on those teams so they're killing those teams as they should. Just everything's going to get really, really, really hard. This Eastern Conference, who expected it to be this good top to bottom? I mean, it really is going to be a bloodbath, not just for the Celtics, for any team. I, I this is weird. Uh, Raptors I don't care who you are. I, you're, there's going to be teams that are seated one and two who are going to be like, oh my God. You think you're, if you're the two seed, you want to draw the Celtics as the seven? You're going to be so, you might get the Nets as the seven. I'm saying you can get the, imagine the one and the, the one and the two get the, or the two and the three get the Nets and the Celtics. They don't want to play those guys either. You know, like I'm saying it's, it's going to be brutal for everybody, everybody, but it's, it's hard to think that you can get through this because there's so many, so many good teams here. Um, and you have, like I said, you have to be a little bit perfect. There's a way for the Hawks to sneak back into this too. Now with the Hornets reeling and the Raptors a little banged up now too. And there's this weird Raptors heat matchup that I think terrifies Miami too. It's, it's going to be, and we started to see it a little bit today, obviously with uh, the next Sixers game there, which was just outstanding at one. It's going to be this crazy stretch run in the East where contenders are playing each other a lot. There's a lot of jockeying for seeds here. And the good thing now is that, Earlier in the year, we were talking about this team maybe not making the playoffs at all and losing in the play-in. And now you're in the same conversation as pretty much every team right now. Now, Philadelphia, I'm getting to the point where I believe in that mix enough to think that they could start to separate themselves the talent, in a pretty man, dramatic the best way. Players, you're going to play teams out there. Again, you're just... You're gonna play teams out there that's got their two best players are gonna be better than your two best players. And and that's and then and then they're much deeper than you too. It just is what it is. You know, between whether it's Milwaukee, Philly, or the Nets, 
all of those all of those teams right now um or even chicago for that matter right now the the other team's stars are better than your stars they just are and so that was always what the Celtics supposedly had going for them the two stars and then everything else will work its way out there's a lot of good players here and well, a lot let's, of these, let's flip a that, lot of uh... these teams are a great bit deeper so again that Celtics defense with that unit has to make life miserable for the other teams miserable and so you know? what's been your takeaway? We're like a month and a half into this dominant stretch now. And I wrote about it in Brooklyn because I think even people around the league are starting to notice now that they're doing this thing with Rob off the ball that yeah. you really can't solve right now, unless you have like five out and you can shoot over Rob with your fifth guy there. And that's essentially what the Pacers did today with Brissett. There's no way to solve it. Cause you have to do this awkward thing where you force your worst player into a pick and roll to get Rob out on the point of attack guy. And it created like, even today I, you saw that weird, like yeah. uh Halliburton Jackson pick and roll. Like you really end up going away from what you want to do offensively. If you want to get I Rob just, out there in the actions. Yeah. I, I just think, I just think the defense again, this is why I'm not a defense guy. Look, I love what they're doing. Their defense has been suffocating. They're killing people. I love what he may did with Rob. I love that he unlocked him because what were we worried about with Rob, you know, kind of staying at home and this and that, just letting Rob be Rob and letting him roam free and just use his instincts to make plays has been phenomenal for that defense. And both the J both the J's phenomenal, both, the J, <laughs> but both, but it's all, it's an, it's an effort and a buy-in thing too. Both Jalen and Jason, I think Jason in particular, up to the up to, uh his defense I thought he's Tatum's, been back to form on that end tatum has been playing great defensively okay uh and and you see it all game he's been he's been he's been lights out so it's just total buy-in and like you said everybody on a string it just works that unit works but in the playoffs i'm just i'm i'm just dubious i've always had uh it's scoring is way uh, it's just Everybody plays defense in the playoffs, so you got to be able to score. You're, there's going to be games where the defense plays fairly well, and the Celtics only put up 98 points in the playoffs because they just go ice cold because it's just not a team that can fill it up. And there's going to be the pressure. You, you know, every playoff game is like a fourth quarter because it's intense start to finish, which means more ISO and more things and more forcing and more stuff. Like, you know, are they going to be able to play this brand of basketball for four quarters in the playoffs, unselfish swinging the ball, this high energy and effort and intensity on both sides, knowing that the other team is going to match it and still be able to come out. You know, I think they're, I think they're croaking bad teams right now, which is awesome. And they've got a couple good wins under their belt. But again, I, I really need to see what it's going to look like in the playoffs against a team that's given it right back to them that has all of their best players there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying into it, and it does level out. As just you not, said. not it, enough scorers on that first unit, man. I mean, there's, there's, and, and again, you cannot withstand one game where did I just blink out? You can't understand. You cannot in the playoffs. You can't withstand one or two games where Tatum and or Brown goes cold. No, you can, and they got to be better. I, I still haven't loved the way that they played over the last month and a half as scorers, being efficient. Now, Brown, I actually like a little bit more than others have, just because of the fact that I think he's pressing the issue so He was much. aggressive. Yeah, and that's what he's done over the last however many games here is when they really get cold offensively, he puts his head down and just gets in there and either draws free throws or he's scoring inside, and he's shooting a lot of threes, which helps. So he's been aggressive, which is needed. There aren't many games left where he kind of fades out of the action. I thought he actually stepped up in a good way in this one where Tatum couldn't play as much. Tatum's passing has gone through the roof, 
which I think has been a big reason for their offensive resurgence. He is getting to a higher level as a four general now and smart and him share that responsibility pretty well in my eyes. Even in this game, I thought the ball movement was still rock solid. So you're not seeing as much stagnancy. They were out of sync tonight. They actually over, they overpassed sometimes and underpassed other possessions. There's a few times where they gave up good shots to to end up with worse shots with the clock winding down. I'm not really sure why they just, they, they felt like the whole game was out of sync tonight. Yeah, well, they're essentially doing three things right now. is piling up the stops, getting out on the break, which is always a dubious playoff formula because teams really do get back in postseason settings. So that's not going to be as big of an advantage for you that you've built in recent weeks here. But the bottom of them in the half court can still produce quality looks. Uh, they got to start locking in on Rob a little bit better in those circumstances. The last two games, they've just thrown these crazy alley-oops to him. We've talked about that all year. You're missing valuable points there, especially in the opening possessions where you're just throwing these wild ones over his head. So they got to start locking in and being more in sync with him, valuing him as a player in the mix of all of this. Uh, Because it feels like sometimes he's just a bailout option for them when he's actually this super valuable guy who, if you put the ball in his hands, is going to make great plays from that position. So your weakness is right now the depth and the shooting. And I don't think there's any shooting here to really take advantage of unless are you buying into the Pritchard resurgence? Um, Medium. Again, because he was really good in Detroit. And then you have that big stretch here. Medium. Uh, you know, he's the guy where, like, all of a sudden, earlier in the year, he couldn't shoot, and we were like, why? And I know he had a face mask on, and that messes with things, and he just wasn't getting consistent minutes. Just feels like he can heat up faster, um, and he's always been able to, um, than someone like Neesmith, who I just really has never really heated up, uh, for that matter. So, I feel confident, and here's the thing with Pritchard. You know, I know he's small, and that's always going to be a problem defensively. He keeps guys in front of him. Yeah, I'm not super worried about him, honestly. Like, yeah, he's not going to be a lockdown guy, but he doesn't kill you defensively. He can be picked on certain times with certain lineups um, and people can hunt for him. But he does a really good job keeping people in front of him and and, 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 and doing and his best. And he's a ball on mover, too. And, like, he's not a creator, but he just keeps the ball and, popping. He pushes the ball up the floor. There's the a lot of that, things he may want. And the fact that he'll shoot, that's fine. I like him off the ball. You know, I don't think, like I said, I've always thought he just, he's not quick enough to be able to turn the corner on guys. I think people catch up to him pretty quickly. Um, Not seeing him get much around the rim. Last year, he did seem to get a little bit more around the rim. I don't know, athletically, he just looks a step slower this year than he did last year. I'm not sure if that's in my head or not, but he shoots, man. Again, you're never, if you have shooting on your resume and you're not killing, you're not killing the team on defense, then then there's minutes there for you, okay? That's, that's what we said with Neesmith. If, if Romeo was able to knock down 37% of threes consistently and he would have been able to play because he played defense. If Neesmith comes in and can knock down some shots, he'll stay in there because he plays with, with energy. He'll get some minutes. Pritchard, if he's knocking down shots, he'll play. The reason Hauser yeah. doesn't play is because he's brutal on defense and they don't trust him. You know, everyone's asking why. So there's minutes for him. I don't know if it's a resurgence, but they need it. So – Yes, if he's hitting shots, you find minutes for him. And it's it's clear they've been trying the White-Pritchard combo, I think, a little bit there, um, which is fine because White's a bigger guard and you can hide Pritchard a little bit better in that lineup. Um, so 
that's think White been, can run the offense better, and White too. And White can run the offense. So it looks like they've been trying that combo. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't catch enough of last game to see where he was getting most of his action. It looked like it was like the expense of White, not necessarily alongside him as Smart much. Smart was in a lot of foul trouble. Yeah. So he ended up picking up the extra minutes there. There was some yeah. expense of White, too, because White wasn't yeah. great in the game. White wasn't but great he ended up closing. Yeah. And he ended up hitting a couple of big shots late, got six assists. Uh, yeah. So that was Pritchard's best game right up there with the one against Philly and the one against Portland. So he ended up putting one into his big three there, which is yeah. important. And he's starting to turn a corner. I feel like he's gotten frustrated. You've seen a lot of like weird interactions between him and Ime where he's just been super grumpy and Ime's digging into him a lot. I think it's been a tough year for Pritchard. And Brown talked about this after last game the frustration that Pritchard's had because he played a ton last year. He obviously had a ton of room to operate with Kemba being out and smart having that long layoff injury wise. So he was involved in everything. And I like, I think Brad liked him a lot too, uh, more than Ime has. And he's had to get used to this role where he comes in and plays 10 minutes and he has to maximize a couple different shots, be active for that stretch, uh, not get killed defensively. And it's been uneven from him. And I think that's kind of this epiphany he's having in year two that you're a role player. And so you got to fill a role here. It's not going to be your show at the point guard. And you have to kind of get in where you fit in. Because this guy's obviously been amazing, whether it's on the rec court, summer league, Oregon, he was the star. This guy's been the star of every team he's been on his whole life. And even first year in the NBA, he had a pretty massive stage. So now he's got to get into this very, very small role where he can come in and hit a couple shots and string out some possessions. I thought he did that again here today. Those two threes that gave them the lead were huge moments yep. and him making quick uh, decisions off the dribble there and getting yeah. into his setback. He's just got to, it's again, it's a matter of, you know, what the expectation is when he's out there, you know, he's just he's your have... ninth man, eighth, ninth man. And that's the kind of like, well, when he's out there, he's going to get when he's out there, he has to, he, you have to, the way he, the only way he's going to be effective is he has to play. Like it doesn't matter whether Tatum or Brown or whoever's on the floor. If there's a, if there's daylight and the ball's in your hands, shoot it. That's the type of player he is. And you live and die with it sometimes, you know, it's just, that's what he can do. If he's got daylight, he should be able to, he should be taking that shot and he shouldn't be worrying about it. And he, he and did. Every like said, team those- has that guy, right? Like it's, he's right on the edge of your rotation. And if he has a great night, that's going to swing some playoff games. And if he's useless, then, you know, that might give the other team an advantage in that spot. It's like a tiny, tiny part of a playoff rotation and the swing of some of these playoff games. But whether it was Pat Connaughton for the Bucks last year or, you know, didn't campaign have some like big games for the Suns. There's like one guy deep, deep on a bench who's still part of the rotation. Who, if they really start to go off, that can steal some critical minutes in these it, playoff games. And he can't it, be a DNP. He can't. No, but it's fine. And sometimes you'll 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 bring him in. He'll uh you know he'll rip a few shots. They don't fall. Okay, too bad. But you you got to bring him in with the idea that you're getting instant offense. You know, um, yeah. he's another guy. Unfortunately, that if. You get some weird situation with Smart and White down the stretch here. He just he hasn't built enough of a role and enough of credibility for to be able to step in. Like he's not a depth guy who's going to be a backup and step into someone else's role. He's going to be complimentary here, and I feel the same way about Grant right now, who in that like seventh man role, passing, shooting, defending alongside some other good defenders, has been outstanding this year. But if he has to step up into the starting lineup like today. That didn't go well. White obviously hasn't stepped up in the starting lineup well in his one chance. So 
And Tice, too, who is a DMP the last couple of games, which I know drove some people crazy, but it's essentially what he's doing here. Like, he'll fill in if he needs to. He's probably not going to play in playoff games. Yeah. So you're just paper thin right now. you got to hope everybody's there by the end, and you're going to have a shot if they are, and we'll probably be talking about a disappointing season if they're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so again, we're going to toss it. It's one game. It's done. It's over. They lose. Ugly, ugly game, as bad as we've seen from the Celtics in a long, long time. So throw it out. It's a interesting week here with um, three home games, Hawks, Grizzlies, and Nets. Nets. This All is national TV games, TNT, TNT, ABC. This is an awesome week. It's fun. It's fun teams to watch. Um, you know, star power coming into the garden should be a lot of, uh, you know, you know, a lot of good juice here. Celtics, again, are healthy, um, should have everybody. Uh, I want your thoughts on week. this before we go, though. Yeah. Um, Simmons still on ice in Brooklyn. What is this a back issue now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to – I. I just, I'm not going to comment on anything on Simmons, whether it's mental health, physical health, all of that stuff. I can't figure out what's going on with that guy. Um, I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he did in the off season. I don't know if he's worked out. I don't know if he's done anything. Um, I don't know how serious he is about basketball. I don't know if he even thought he was going to play this year. He might've been caught off guard a week prior when they're like, we might trade you. And he was like, really? And he was like, crap. And just wasn't, you know, so this is a guy who might've, taken the last year off from everything uh and is now trying to get into nba shape and play in a game so i'm not stunned again i don't know what he's been doing behind the scenes it just doesn't feel like he's been taking anything seriously um, there's obviously so, a philly game coming up too i which... don't think he's ducking a team i think that's silly i actually just don't think he's right re- I, I i think he might be so far removed from basketball shape that he's just not ready at all to go. And, yeah, because um, he hasn't played in a game since, what, May last year, June, it, it might have been with the late he hasn't, schedule. He hasn't done anything for 10 months. You know, and I don't, like I said, it's, I don't think he's taking it seriously. He didn't have a training camp. He hasn't practiced. He hasn't been working out. I don't think he's he had done that it. one practice with the phone in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think he's done squat. So um, I'm not surprised. I think if you are um, the Nets, you're a little freaked out, um, but you're getting Kyrie back because that mandate's going to get lifted. So you're going to get, and you're getting Harris back. You're getting healthy, even without Simmons. You're going to start seeing things working out. They're going to look dangerous with Curry, Durant, and Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, but they still got to figure out the mandate. Like they're still in a screwed up situation if it's part time Kyrie in a playoff series. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but Harden, you were down on Harden. He has looked outstanding next to He has. I mean, it's just like, I'm just, I, I, I can't stand this freaking guy. This is what he does. Too. He came out, he became back skinny. His first, his first few games with a new team, he does the same thing every time, which is only shoots like eight times and then gets like 15, 16 assists just to ingratiate himself with the fans and the team. He teammates. even took like, a catch and shoot shot in the corner, which he yeah, never does. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I'm not here to take over. I'm just here to be a complimentary piece, you know, and eventually, like I said, is, I mean, ev- everything is good everything has gone bad with this guy every single place he's been will it work out for this year i hope not i root i'm rooting against him but um you know again the numbers in the first two games here just you know it fits like a glove he just goes in there plays an incredibly efficient game you know i want that triple double with triple double with five steals tonight 29 points are in uh, in that early game against the knicks that being said i watched a good bit of that game i mean 
despite the fact that you did have Embiid and Harden playing together, Maxi played a really good game there. Uh, you know, Harris again was his regular invisible self, but I mean, <laughs> they've got, they've got a pretty, you know, the, the, the pretty fully loaded team there taking on the Knicks who are freaking horrible. And that game was like a one point game. Uh, and then the Knicks just completely shut down. Uh, but that was like, you know, 107, 105, and then bang, that would then, the, you know, just put the, but they, as well as those guys were playing, they weren't blowing out the Knicks for most of that game. It was a competitive, so this is the thing about competitive game until about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I, I want to see them. I do. Because not only will it be fun in a battle and you get those personalities. But they were running stuff. that pick and roll a lot. And yeah, Embiid said that Embiid said it in the, uh, the, the first thing. So the first question he was asked about him and Harden playing in the pick and roll here is like, what are your impressions? He just goes, unstoppable. You know, he's like, we're unstoppable. <laughs> he did like the water bottle thing. They're a goofy duo for sure. Yeah. But they get this crazy big three and Maxi is going to go off the rest of the way, seeing how open he is. But then yeah. you go down to, as you said, Harris is always invisible, even though I think he's looked a little more open and active the last few games. But then it's like Thibault who doesn't do anything on offense Korkmaz and Green, who haven't had good years at all. And then they replaced Drummond, who was having a good season with Paul Millsap, who hasn't really played all year and doesn't look too good either. So they're pretty thin in their own right uh, at this point, losing Curry and losing Drummond, uh, not getting anything really in the buyout market or anything aside from all that at the deadline. It's going to be those three guys doing everything it looks like. So uh, bring it on. I want to see it. I want to see Philly, Boston, back and forth, two fan bases. They've obviously played a bunch of series in recent years. I'm ruined for that. Obviously, round two would be better than going through that round one. The foul thing is real. It's going to be absolutely infuriating for whoever has to Dude, watch the 26 free throws. 27 free throws. I saw an incredible stat um, uh, recently, if I can pull it up. Um, they had 25 in the first half of that Minnesota game. Yeah. The team, that is. Yeah, uh, that's going to be real, and that's going to be hard to watch on the other side. Oh, okay. Here was a stat, I, and I and I haven't vetted it yet, but um, it, it's gotten a lot of love on Twitter. LeBron has attempted seventy more shots at the rim than Embiid, and has gotten three hundred and twenty fewer free throw attempts. Three In, free throw attempts this year. Uh, yeah, the amount of Embiid, the calls this guy gets, it is insane. I mean, he just You've never like that. <laughs> I can't stand it. He just throws his body into people, and the whistle blows. He it's and Harden insane. are like a match made in heaven with and that And he style. gets that stuff away from the basket too. Like, guys, he's a big guy who bangs everybody. You've got to allow a certain amount of contact. You know, they call everything. And normally down low is where you let things go. You know, you call ticky-tack stuff on the perimeter. All he does is bump a guy and it, the whistle blows every he freaking time. He does arm time. stuff, rip It's his style. Oh, it's unreal. 27 free throw attempts. You've got to be kidding me. So he that's Harden frustrating. all through the game. Yeah. Those Harden's teams... back to... Harden's back to those free throw numbers from earlier in his career. I know they kind of locked in on him earlier in the year. Well, they've, they've let their foot off the break in terms I, of slowing him look, down. We said it when the trade was made. It's bad for the Celtics. It's bad because no matter what, Philly's better because you basically just traded Harden for Curry because uh, because uh, Sim- because Simmons wasn't playing. So, yep. yes, you're better. No question about it. And they were playing well before that, and they just traded Harden. They traded Curry for Harden. And the Nets are better because uh, they weren't getting Max out of Harden. He took his ball and go home and went home. He was pouting. 
Uh, you, the whole season. We've been talking all year what's wrong with this guy. Apparently, he hated it there the whole time. There's no other explanation. He just decided, I don't want to be here. So he just gave a half-ass effort all year long. Uh, looked slow, wasn't trying on defense, wasn't doing anything. Talk about uh, another fun storyline in the East. Kyrie kind of throwing some And then Kyrie, these guys... These teams suck. So again, this is reason enough to like the Celtics because they're more of a ham and egger sort of team, um, <laughs> you know, because they play hard and, and, and they're going to draw. And this one is what I love. Like, you know, I love defense, John, and they've gone all in on it. They've mastered it. They found this kind of cheat code and how you can play defense off of. Fifth I just eye. don't buy it's going to work in the playoffs. That's my thing. It's you, like, I lo- you love Rob. You are the biggest fan of Rob. You have to believe in how he can alter a game defensively because he really, I mean, we have seen him shut he down Zion and all these other guys. And he's in crap. this like, we saw it against spot. The, we saw it against the Nets last year, Bobby. That team, Celtics were horribly undermanned there. They were down everybody. No Jalen. And he's out there blocking nine shots, guarding Harden on the perimeter, blocking a three. He was unreal. I love Rob too. You know, and I love what he's doing here. I think Rob also affects the offense in a lot of good ways. It's just I just do I have enough faith in them to be able to maintain what they're doing, stay the course on offense, continue to work the ball, pass the ball, play a team oriented and unlock Jalen and Jason to be the best version of themselves. Or are we going to get back into just straight up ISO ball against teams that are focused on stopping two players because they don't give a crap about anybody else on the court because none of them can score. And you're just, when you see these ugly offensive games, you just remember that like, Oh yeah, this team doesn't have a lot of shooters. And I wish they had a shooter. Did we and, talk and about the two names they brought in? Kalan Martin and Malik Fitz. That's probably not going to solve the shooting issue. Yeah. I hope, but they have two days now to actually bring in a guy that can play in the playoffs. You hope the last two guys on the roster aren't Martin and Fitz, two G League guys, essentially. If someone can break free here that can like maybe have a prayer of helping you as a shooter in the mix... But it's probably going to have to be Pritchard or Neesmith, and no one's really saving you at the bottom end. Uh, Drogic, by the way, joining the Nets. That was a big plus for them as well. Um, right. He looked good in his debut yesterday. So it's it's going to be really fun. We're on this mad dash now to the finish line. I think there's like 20 games left. So right. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see where it goes. We're going to wrap it. Um, Jimmy is upset he couldn't make it. He was ready to go. Lost his power. Joe Sway. He's got his phone. He'll hop in the Discord. Joe Sway, it must have been love, I think, for Joe Sway. Um, no, 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 no explanation, but you know, we'll we'll let the guy slide. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who carried the load while I was uh, trying not to kill myself skiing last week. Um, I did make it back in one piece, so that's good. That, that's 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 all, that's all I can hope for. That's that's a win for me, Bobby. When I don't yeah. when I don't when I don't badly hurt myself. Absolutely, and yeah. um. I'll be back in the rec league on Wednesday. So I'll have the stat sheet again for us. I didn't want to show the first one, but hopefully this game goes better and we'll have a good stat sheet to put on the air here. Yeah. Once again, want to let people at home know all about Coda. We are all about the Coda new kind of productivity doc uh, brings uh, with it data. All of your, it brings all of your data together and your teams together, set of building blocks. Anyone can combine to create a doc as powerful as an app. For years, our teams have been split across documents, spreadsheets, and apps, and Coda.io brings it all back together. So again, all you need to do here is go to Coda.io slash garden, and you can get started for free. Coda.io slash garden. Go check it out. Get started for free. And of course, uh, 
join our Discord server, uh, clnsmedia.com slash Discord. The conversation is kicking over there. I might hop in and see what's up right now. I don't know if Bobby pop over at some point or another. Um, see what you guys are chatting about. See if you want to continue the conversation. Uh, we are always uh, willing to jump in there and uh, and talk shop, talk about the Celtics. They lose. What are you going to do? Next game, Tuesday against Atlanta, Atlanta's Tuesday, right? It's Atlanta, then yep. Memphis. Atlanta on Tuesday. Bobby will be down at the Garden. We should have everybody back for a full show. So, again, thanks, everybody, for hanging out. I missed you. Thanks for joining us. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.